people become once they were no more? Just a series of numbers and data? Likes and dislikes? Buyer profiles and click behavior? The thought made her sick. It would be up to her to make sure Edward Dalton was remembered for the incredible man he'd been, and not just as part of someone's marketing quota for the year. She shut her computer down, gathered her things, and went to find her boss. When she couldn't find her in the office, she checked the conference room where, sure enough, Joanna Brocklehurst was wooing a couple of well-groomed, bored-looking clients. Lauren! Her boss gasped as the employee barged into the room and demanded an audience. My apologies, she murmured to the clients, rising to her feet to meet her wayward employee. I'm going home early today, Lauren said and turned to leave again before the door had even managed to swing shut. Mrs. Brocklehurst chased her out into the hallway. Excuse you, you can't just barge into a meeting like that, and you can't leave early on reports day. You have responsibilities. She emphasized the word reverently, as if nothing could be more important than her work for Data Corps. Yes, I have responsibilities and I need to go see to them. I'll be back on Monday. Probably. Monday? But it's only Wednesday. I'm sorry, but I can't grant you time off with such short notice. Fine. Then I won't be back. At all. I quit. Good luck with the reports. Sure, it would have been easy enough to explain what had happened and why she needed to go. But somehow, she just couldn't bring herself to speak of her father in the past tense or to share any part of him with a stingy boss who signed subsistence-level paychecks for her employees while vacationing at St. Bart's. She'd given too much of herself to this place already. It was time to move on, to make something of the Dalton name, now that it would be entirely up to her to keep their legacy alive. Lauren reached the morgue a couple hours later, despite driving at least ten above the speed limit the entire time. Perhaps if she drove fast enough, she could turn back time like in those popular 80s movies with Michael J. Fox. But instead of revisiting the happy past, she soon came face to face with her new future, and it wasn't one she wanted any part of. The mortician had done a good job cleaning him up, but dark bruises still mottled her father's skin. Cuts and scrapes peppered his arms, though no blood, indeed no sign of life at all, clung to them. And when had he gotten so old? She still thought of her father as the young man with brown hair and a few days scruff framing sharp green eyes she'd always wished she'd inherited, instead of her dull browns. She thought of him as the man who'd graciously attended all her school Mother's Day events, since he was her mom just as much as he'd been her dad. He was the man who'd changed her diapers, taught her to walk. He'd had to help her understand her first period comforted her after her first heartbreak. He'd been her world. And now, just like that, Lauren's world had ceased to turn. The mortician beckoned her forward with a tight-lipped nod. Hi, Dad, Lauren managed to say as she stepped up to the gurney. I'm sorry for your loss, the other woman said, even though she had no idea, no idea at all 
what had been lost to Lauren that day. What kind of brave new world would she face tomorrow? Because certainly, Lauren would need to be brave to carry on in a world that no longer held her heart. I love you, Dad, she whispered, kissing her fingers and placing them to her father's impossibly cold cheek. She bowed her head and murmured a quick prayer. One day they would meet again, but Lauren still had many more days in which she'd need to make it on her own. And make it she would, because that's how her father had raised her, and she refused to let him down. Chapter 2 Lauren drove to her father's home and let herself in with a key he kept stashed under a colorful frog garden ornament she'd painted for him in the third grade. The house felt as if it, too, felt the loss of its master.